0: girl hey hey how's it going all right how are you i mean you know just hiding in the closet right exactly that's exactly what i'm doing i may stay here all day oh good peaceful it is peaceful (laughs) in my closet as well i locked my door (laughs) so did i (laughs) i was like nobody getting in here Mm -mm. (laughs) mommy's got business (laughs) welcome to crimes and closets my name is Beth.
1: I am Christy. I'm hiding in a closet in Missouri.
0: Yes, North Carolina for me. All coronavirus then.
1: Yes, stay away. Can't yeah. get in my closet.
0: You're not a good quarantiner.
1: Me? No. No, Mm-mm.
0: You're really bad at I'm it. Hating
1: every second of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you're going I've to already been t- You're like well, I, the yeah. eye doctor, the regular doctor, Taekwondo. Where else did you yeah. go?
1: Yeah. If it's open, I'm there. Uh well I went shopping, but I think everybody's doing that.
0: Not me. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I, oh, went I went shopping last
0: week. I haven't it's been anywhere. I have Monday. not left my house since Sunday. Think about that. Yeah. And I ran out of dry shampoo today.
1: Ooh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I know. I was so worried about prepping taking care of my children and like getting ibuprofen and toilet paper that I totally forgot to get dry shampoo so Genius yeah really I don't think I ran yeah my
1: hair. I don't think I'm gonna run out of that only because I've actually been washing my hair every day what? because it's something extra to do <laughs>
0: and it takes some time <laughs> this is desperate times <laughs> <laughs> then you're gonna run out of shampoo I am I am <laughs> oh man we're we're gonna have to buddy up here <laughs> you give me shampoo, shampoo. i'll that's give right. you dry <laughs> that's right that's where we're gonna have to go so let me tell uh-huh. you what happened outside my closet this morning okay so my uh four-year-old i get a report this morning at like 705 that he is peeing in cups
1: it, Wait, peeing in cups at school or no
0: oh, at home
1: like from your children the report was from your children right oh and so he's goodness. just
0: walking around peeing in cups
1: and is he leaving
0: them places well that's the thing so i mean we have a lot of cups right now because we haven't left our house since sunday and just inevitably that you know they they just leave cups everywhere and all of them were empty and when i asked him what cups he was peeing in he couldn't remember
1: what cups so
0: I just washed 30 cups 31 cups I bet you
1: somebody drank out of a pea cup at least once (laughs) (laughs) sorry to say he's
0: been doing this for days but the thing (laughs) is like if I I mean it's such not a big deal to him that he doesn't even remember what cup well he's just like I I mean you know I just do this I don't know what cup it was. No big deal. Just peeing in them. It really isn't to him. And he poured it out. He would pee in the cup and then pour it out in the toilet. Well, I mean, it's
1: it's an extra step. He's finding things to do to pass the time as well.
0: (laughs) That's his version of washing his (laughs) hair. Oh, my gosh. So what's going on with you? Well, there's not a whole lot outside my closet,
1: except for children nonstop running around like crazy. and you had a birthday. Well, yes. We had a 14th birthday yesterday, which is terrible for him because he wasn't able to have any friends over. He wasn't able to go anywhere. Well, we had a friend over earlier in the week, and then I sent him home because I was like, I'm just done because um, you're eating all my food. And I've already got my hair. Yeah, I have to wash my hair a million times and I just, I don't want to have one more person here, even though all they did was stay in their cave and play video games or talk on their phones. But
0: yeah, they're the most, teenagers will probably be the the most quarantined friendly. Oh yeah, he
1: quarantines himself every day, so it doesn't matter. It's like you have to yell food and he'll come down, but that's pretty much it.
0: Yeah, and but, then takes it back up probably.
1: Yeah, yes, yeah. So yeah, so we had a birthday. So it was something distracting yesterday, but still would have been more fun if we could like go out to eat or go to a movie or something. But I mean, make the best of it.
0: Are your restaurants closed?
1: They officially closed today, but some oh, were today? closing. Missouri.
0: Yeah. oh my. Uh, well,
1: yeah, as of 12.01 a.m., so um but most of them were doing it on their own anyway. But I think they made the oh, official like for those that were just trying to linger, they made the official announcement to do it. So
0: Yeah. Yeah, ours have been closed. We have um a lot of people doing to go. I think that's still happening, dine in to go, whatever. Yeah. Yeah they didn't have a lot more business if they handed out a roll of toilet paper every time somebody ordered.
1: Yeah, no kidding, right?
0: Just a little marketing tip from me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Do you want to hear about today's murder? I mean, yeah. It's Why not?
1: It's a murder. Yeah. The
0: murder. Let's distract you now with a murder. Yeah, just, just distract me some more. Yep. Don't worry about coronavirus. I will not. Just an innocent lady.
1: Just possibly someone coming to murder me in my closet. That's all I have to worry about now.
0: Yeah, well, funny you <laughs> should say that. Oh, man. <laughs> Not just someone. Um. Okay, so this is the murder of Michelle Young, which happened actually in Raleigh, North Carolina, which is right where I am. So it's a oh. local case and nice. where Christy used to live. Yes, yes. Yep. And you're gonna know some of these places that I'm talking about too, so that's gonna make a little more fun. But Michelle Marie was born Michelle Marie Fisher in nineteen seventy seven in Long Island, New York. What what? That's where I'm from. Yeah, you wanna talk about that? Uh I
1: don't know her. Uh you don't know her? Surprisingly. Surprisingly, the only fisher I know is Amy Fisher. And I don't really actually know her
0: either. But yeah. I was just gonna say <laughs> <laughs> Is she a listener? Um so she went to Sayville High School. Do you know that high school? I do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's in Long Island. She was a cheerleader. She was this cute little thing and really smart. She was on the National Honor Society just like I imagine you <laughs> in a your cheerleader takes in long Island <laughs> that's
1: probably why I don't know her. I wasn't a huge fan of cheerleaders
0: <laughs> but when did you she was ninety five she graduated when did you graduate
1: ninety six
0: there you go How did you okay, so different high school
1: Well yeah, but it was a little bit of a distance from where I was from
0: I see Long yeah. island's a big place, is it yeah it's pretty pretty
1: decent size. Gotcha,
0: okay, so she graduated in ninety five she moved to Raleigh to go to North Carolina State Wolfpacks, and she was actually a varsity cheerleader for them, which is a pretty big deal. I feel like, yeah, I to mean, be a college varsity cheerleader in the ACC, right? Yeah, right. That's true. Yeah. Right, it's a big deal. So she was a she went for accounting. Um, she wanted to become like an accountant or a financial consultant. She was super sweet, very vibrant, very outgoing. She had a lot of friends. She was in a sorority, just like a all-American Long Island girl (laughs) living in the South, (laughs) her best life. And she, um, you know, she had boyfriends in college that were not very serious very normal relationships. She was really smart. Like she was very focused on her school and wanted to get a job and was just a good girl. She was just a good, sweet, pretty girl. So enter Jason Young. Jason Young was born, Jason Lynn Young in 1974. So he was a couple years older, three years older than her. He was born in the mountains of North Carolina in Brevard
1: oh I don't even
0: know where that is uh it's about two it's a couple hours away from Raleigh very very mountain town very small population um you know it's a nice town but it's like a it's a it's rural like Mm. it's not in the city at all so he goes to NC State he's very outdoorsy um he likes to kayak. When he was in high school, he actually did those camps that some you know, like the summer camps that some kids do. It's kind of like outward bound. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you go and you camp and you have these counselors and you fish and kayak and they um just like a you whitewater raft, very outdoorsy. So he was like a like a counselor for one of these camps when he was in high school as like a summer job. Mm-hmm really southern um super dynamic he the way that I kind of picture him is that he's kind of like a bad like a frat boy so he's like a bad boy but he's you know fun and everyone loves him kind of the life at the party he was always like the one who threw the tailgate parties huge NC State football fan just like you know just a typical frat boy country frat boy right he was actually engaged to someone
1: from his hometown in home 1999.
0: Or from um, someone from college. Mm-hmm. And that apparently ended because he had a drinking problem is the information that was given. I think he probably was a little volatile.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Just knowing what we know right now. Um, so he was engaged. That ended very badly. And um, so they, Michelle meets Jason at the Poor House in downtown Raleigh, which is a bar that is, yeah, known for uh, having small time bands come in and do live music. I think that's all they do is live music. I don't think they ever have DJs or anything, Mm -hmm. especially back, back then. This is in the early 2000s. So they meet, they start dating. He's definitely not her typical boyfriend. He's, you know, kind of the bad boy and she's kind of the good girl. And we all know how that story goes. So good girl meets bad boy, falls in love. Um, they end up deciding that they are going to get married right after graduation in 2003. And okay. so they get married in... Um, the magistrate's office in August of 2003, and then had a formal ceremony with all of their families in October of 2003, where they announce that they are four months pregnant.
1: Uh, okay, so, so got right. married because she was pregnant. Well, I mean, yes, I'm sure they the maybe we're going down that route, but
0: yeah, now there's a baby. So they announced they're pregnant in October and in March of 2004 they have this beautiful baby girl they name her Cassidy um at this point Michelle has a job as a like financial consultant for actually a really big company and she is really good at her job she works really hard um Jason is kind of not so much responsible he doesn't really care about his job like he has jobs but he kind of floats around from different jobs and does like pharmaceutical sales um you know just like the random like whatever he can find type things but I from the impression that I get she is Michelle is the breadwinner mm-hmm. now did he graduate with so, a degree he did graduate with a degree. Okay, but yeah, he's not... his degree yeah I mean it was just more like a, a marketing degree okay. just not you know, specified in any one particular thing. Um, So, they're both working. Here they are. The sweet little family of three. Um, They're both, from all reports, they're both great parents. She is a great parent. She's super, I mean, her, you know, baby girl is her world. He, everyone says, is a really great dad. Like, he's always in the floor playing. He is very kind to her um just a, just good parents they both love the baby and they end up deciding that they want to buy a house in this little suburb right outside of Raleigh called Enchanted Oaks which is kind of on the other side of Raleigh from where you and I lived
1: yeah so I've never even and
0: heard of that. I yeah I looked it up and um Now, I looked up today what it looks like today, but, like, the median price of the house is over $450,000. So, it's close to a half million dollars, the median price. There are some houses in this neighborhood that are upwards of a million. So, it's not a shabby place. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a very nice, well-established, old neighborhood, which I think is very similar to the way that she grew up in Long Island. Okay. Just like an older, family-friendly, super nice, super nice neighborhood. So they buy this house, and things kind of start to, like, cracks are showing. They are having financial difficulties. Um, Jason spends less and less time at home with her, still a great dad, doing what he can for Cassidy, but he's just not like their marriage is really starting to kind of become less important to him. He's working a lot at this point. He's doing, he sells medical software, which I don't even know what that is, but.
1: Well, it's like the, you know, when you go to the doctor and everything, you know, everything's on their iPad and it's all computerized. It could be stuff like that, that like, it's like filing and instead of having actual files. We have a friend that does that too.
0: Okay. So that's what he's doing. He's selling that. So this job requires him to travel. When he's not traveling, he plays in a lot of sports. So he's like never home. Um, you know, just, just not investing necessarily in the marriage. They go to a couple of like events and weddings and their friends, dis- they're always fighting. They're always bickering and their friends describe them as world war two. So, like, these are not unnoticeable small tiffs. Like, they're fighting in public often enough. I, I in public, I mean, at least their friends know about right. it. So, at least he's complaining to his friends, she's complaining to her friends. Like, they're just not getting along. So, spring of 2006, so we're married close to three years at that point. Michelle finds out that she is pregnant with their second baby. Um, they found out that it's a boy. They decided they want to name him Rylan, which is super cute. And she decides that after the second baby is born, she's going to cut back on her hours. Um, her sister, whose name is Meredith, moves from New York to North Carolina. Um, she had graduated from college at this point, was coming down there, hanging out with her sister, trying to look for work. And she is actually their nanny. So she takes care of Cassidy while Michelle and Jason are working. She's really, really close with their family. She's there all the time, um, has a very good insight into what's going on with their marriage. She relays that to her mother, her mom, um, who still lives in Long Island, but she comes down and very often and spends time with them. And she is very aware of how unhappy Michelle seems to be. Michelle actually ends up when she finds out she's pregnant with the second baby goes to a therapist and tells the therapist that she feels very neglected, that she feels emotionally abused. Um, her therapist recommends, you know, family counseling, couples counseling. And she's like, that's not even an option. She says that they're not having sex. They're just in an empty, distant, bad place. So um, in On November 2nd, 2006, Michelle is 29. Jason is 32. She is 20 weeks pregnant with baby number two. They've been married three years. It's a Sunday. And she invites her friend to come over to watch Grey's Anatomy.
1: Sounds like my kind of girl.
0: So her friend comes. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I know. I remember doing that back in the day. I feel like we watch Grey's Anatomy alone now. Yeah, I do. Yeah. But yeah. But we we definitely used to have little Grey's watch mm. parties, especially in college. Um, So she invites her friend over. Her friend comes over, you know, dinner time-ish. Jason is getting ready to leave for an overnight work trip. So he's kind of scrambling around, packing, you know, printing MapQuest, which is so funny. Yeah, right. <laughs> to think about, but, like, it's okay. So he's printing directions. He's, you know... Saying playing with Cassidy, saying goodbye to her. They eat a quick dinner. He leaves. The friend watches Grey's Anatomy. She leaves about ten thirty. You know, during that time they had put the baby to bed. Um, so the ba- she's about she's like two and a half at this point. Cassidy is. Did you say that Jason so left her
1: to bed before they started watching Grey's he Anatomy? Left. Okay, so he went already. He left did.
0: Her. He leaves about seven thirty. Okay. And they start, they put the baby to bed. They start watching Grey's Anatomy. He says he has a work trip in Virginia. So the friend leaves at like 1030 that night. All is well. It's just Michelle and the baby home. So we, the next morning, about eight o'clock the next morning, Jason calls Michelle's sister, Meredith. He says, I'm in Virginia. Michelle is at the house you know, with the baby, while she's at work today, can you do me a favor and go over to the house and get some printouts from the printer? I printed out some purses from eBay that I want to surprise Michelle with as a late anniversary present, and I don't want her to see them.
1: Okay, so Meredith doesn't so live with them. them I, when me. you said she was a nanny, I didn't, I guess I think I assumed that she was living, but she's not living with them. No, she, okay. No.
0: She does not live with him. And actually, during this time, so like right towards the end, middle part of 2006, she had gotten a job. So she wasn't actually learning anymore when this happened, but that was kind of a newer thing. So, um, you know, Michelle's supposed to be at work. Cassidy is supposed to be at daycare. So she's like, yeah, Jason, I'll go. I'll get there when I can. So he calls her again. I just want to make sure you're going. I don't want you to forget. I really don't want her to see these printouts she's like i'm going i'm going so a couple hours later she finally makes it to the house she gets to the house she forgets her keys the door is locked she goes around back the door is locked nothing disturbed nothing looks out of the ordinary she remembers that the garage door is broken and that all she has to do is kind of pull it up and then she can slide under and get in the house that way so that's what she does she gets in the garage and michelle's car is there So she thinks, well, that's strange. It's Monday. You know, she's supposed to be at work. She's not supposed to be here. So she goes in in the house. She's yelling. You know, the dog is barking. She's yelling for Michelle. She's yelling for Cassidy. She doesn't hear anything. She goes up the stairs. She walks into Michelle's bedroom and finds her in a bloody (gasps) pool on the floor of the bedroom, face down. Clearly not breathing. And Cassidy? There is blood. The right. Yeah. So there's blood all over the house. She picks up the phone to call 911 and as she picks up the phone, out from under the covers of the bed comes no. baby girl Cassidy. In her little pink pajamas she starts to look around. She sees, all she sees everywhere throughout the house is just little teeny tiny bloody footprints. Oh no. Where Cassidy had just been running around. So she calls 911. The 911 call is verging on heartbreaking. I mean, you can hear, she's very like, I think my sister's dead. I don't know what happened. There's blood everywhere. She's not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be here. I have her daughter. And you can hear her daughter, who is two, saying, Mommy has boo boos everywhere. We need band aids for her. Um, she actually asks her on the nine one one call, was anyone in the house? Did you see anyone? Did anyone come in here? Did mommy fall? You know, what happened? So which she doesn't, you know, she doesn't answer any of those questions. She's just a baby. So the police come, there is no forced entry whatsoever in the house. Absolutely nothing out of the ordinary or disturbed, except for in the bedroom and the blood that Cassidy has. Tracked, you know from her bedroom to her bathroom to her mom's bedroom you know so other than that nothing out of the ordinary and um they actually asked when she came in if she had cleaned up the baby because apparently aside from her having blood on her feet she was totally clean so it's not like she had gone to hug her mom
1: right or in the room when everything was happening probably
0: Right. Like there were sprays all over the walls. I mean, she was pretty like when she said, no, I didn't clean the baby up. They were surprised. Like they thought that was a little bit strange that there was just no blood anywhere except on her feet. So um, there's a footprint. There's two footprints. There's one footprint in the bedroom, one footprint on a pillow. The footprints do not match. There's also a little um, dresser top jewelry box that has two drawers missing. Other than that, and a struggle that clearly ensued when she was being killed, there's nothing out of the ordinary at all in the house. So they determined that Michelle had been bludgeoned to death. They can count at least 30 separate strikes to her head and face. Um, So this was a very, like, it took a minute. And it was a very um, rage-filled murder. So they determined that one of the shoes is a size 10 athletic shoe. The other shoe print that they found is a size 12 of a brand that they can't quite figure out what it is. But later it comes back forensically as being Hush Puppy brand dress shoe. Huh. So they call Jason. Jason who is in Virginia at his appointment they tell him what happened he comes home they immediately take him in for questioning because he is the spouse um immediately he says i'm not talking to anybody i want an attorney
1: oh that's
0: not enough even to the point where um you know what though i you hear all the time that like you should not talk to police without an attorney present like no matter what I, guess, guilty. I don't know I feel right? like but that's what I, mean, I, when I meant by
1: like natural like yes I hear that but I feel like my natural reaction would not be to say that yeah
0: right sure no I mean you would be Just, yeah where's my baby right there where's, would be other things know, that I would say wife? probably
1: before that even though maybe intellectually I would I have heard I shouldn't talk without an attorney
0: <laughs> yeah Right. No, he immediately goes into that, that he can't talk with with anybody, even her mother. Even her mother, when she finally makes it there, she goes in to talk to him and, you know, really to console him and to be together in this tragedy. And he's like, I can't talk to you. My attorney told me I can't talk to you. And then he says, I'm really going to take a hit on the house. Okay. Like, nobody's going to buy my house now. So that (laughs) is weird. (laughs) That's definitely not a normal reaction. So initial reaction is jason killed michelle right i yeah. think that's what we all think or meredith
1: yeah i don't know i mean i haven't heard that there's been any issues with between meredith and oh my gosh why can i not remember her name <laughs> michelle Michelle. <laughs> i haven't heard any issues <laughs> well you haven't mentioned any issues between meredith and michelle that you
0: know, no right. i mean none that we know of none that we know of But she's, I mean, those are the two people who, you know, she found her. She called it in. And that would be able to get in the house
1: without showing any, like, break-in or forced entry
0: or whatever. Right. Right. True. So what we found out about Jason is he says, I'm gone. I I wasn't there. I'm in Virginia. People saw me leave. I had a work appointment. You know, you can confirm my whereabouts. So that's what they do. They go to confirm his whereabouts. they discover that he leaves the house seven seven thirty. He stops to get gas, fills up his tank. he drove the couple's white like Nissan SUV so he stops at a cracker barrel in Greensboro. he goes in he has dinner he gets to a Hampton Inn in Hillsville, Virginia. so this is still the night of November second he checks in at like 11, they see him on surveillance checking in, they see him on surveillance again, like 11.30, goes to the front desk, talks to the people, gets a newspaper, goes out a side door, makes a phone call, um, smokes a cigar, and then goes back in about 11.45. And no one hears from him again for the rest of the night until... The call comes in to Meredith, Michelle's sister, about going over and to And how many
1: hours is that? Where he's at?
0: Okay, so Hillsville, Virginia is 169 miles away from their mm-hmm. house.
1: My mm-hmm. map question. Did you print out? Did you print Old it
0: out? school style. Okay. No. <laughs> no. And it's approximately two and a half hours drive time. So it's 169 miles All on interstate. Um, So it's not too terribly far. But his timelines match up. When he leaves. When he stops. When he gets there. Like he doesn't make any stops that they cannot account for any period of time for him. It all matches up. He has no marks. He has no scratches on him. When they bring him in. So they go to um, the hotel. And talk to the hotel people in Hillsville Virginia to see what they remember the security guard does say you know we did have an issue with one of our security cameras on one side of the door on one side of the hotel and one of the doors one of the exits that goes to the parking lot I noticed at about one or so in the morning that I couldn't get any feed from it and so I went and checked on it and it was unplugged so I plugged it back in And I went back and, you know, no big deal. Then the next morning at about seven or so the next morning, I noticed that I wasn't getting any signal from it again. So I went back and it was pointed at the ceiling. I also found a rock in the door propping it open. Is there any recording on those surveillance of like, what? because
1: somebody had to be able to like, it had to be recording when somebody pointed it. Up and unplugged it.
0: (laughs) Right. Or unplugged it. That's right. The only thing I can think of is that it's not a continuous Mm, seat. Because remember, this is 2006. um, You know, things, this is 15 years ago. So things were really different now as far as surveillance goes. And my thinking is that maybe it just jumped and it would do like this camera for 30 seconds and then this camera for 30 seconds and, you know, just somehow. It was spliced to where they just had no explanation for this whatsoever. Never could find an explanation for, but it's been tampered with twice. This one particular camera, that is what they know. So they then start interviewing people because their thinking is okay. So Jason has come, he has checked into the hotel. He has, you know, made himself seen on surveillance cameras in the hotel several times, went to bed We've got eight hours that we cannot account for him. So they're thinking that he drove the two and a half hours back, went into the house, murdered his wife, and then drove back and was there and in his room by seven and that's o'clock. that's enough time. Because that's when the, it's enough time. Mm. I mean, it's close call, you know, but they're thinking he's going to have run out of mm. gas during this time like he did fill up in raleigh before he left but now we're talking about you know in essence he drove two and a half hours there two and a half hours back two and a half hours there again they're you know in this little suv he's gonna have to have had stopped and got gas so they start stopping at gas stations they start stopping at convenience stores and interviewing people they they stop at this one uh gas station in king north carolina which is on the route to Hillsville, Virginia and show the picture to the gas station attendant that was working that evening. And she immediately recognizes him. She immediately says, Oh man, that guy, that guy was a rear end. Like he came in here, he was screaming and yelling because my pumps were turned off. He threw $20 at me. He was super hateful. So they say, well, what time was this? Do you remember? She says, this was about five in the morning the morning of November 3rd. So that all matches up. They have um, neighbors who then start reporting that they saw Jason's white SUV parked on the street, kind of up a little ways from the house, but angled kind of weird, and that the lights in the house were on. So this would have been like four or five in the morning, the morning of November 3rd, which is a very odd Why is his car parked there? Why are there lights on at four in the morning? Why are their neighbors out noticing? People leaving for work in the morning, man. (laughs) People get up
1: early. I guess.
0: I guess. I don't know. So they're finding all of these reports. All of these reports. So guess what they do? What? (laughs) They They don't don't arrest arrest him. him? They do not arrest him because they have absolutely no physical evidence. That he what was about the shoe? There. And the district attorney. So the so he's a size 12, which accounts for the one Hush Puppy shoes, but they can't find the shoe. He doesn't own a pair of these shoes. Well, how shoes do they know he doesn't own a pair? At this point, well, yeah, but really I'm just saying they, they don't know they don't know. They can't find any in the house, hmm. they can't find any on his person. They have no physical evidence tying him to this case whatsoever. So Jason moves back in with his parents in Brevard, North Carolina with baby Cassie. And there is absolutely nothing they can do. So obviously this is extremely heartbreaking for the family. And they are so angry with the Wake County Police Department and the North carolina attorney's office like they are not getting justice for their daughter so in 2009 this is almost three years from the time that she was injured or killed they decide to file a wrongful death lawsuit so this wrongful death lawsuit is done in a civil arena so it's not a criminal case against him it's just done civilly they want to be it to be determined that she had a wrongful death and that it was jason's fault and you get awarded damages that's how that works in civil cases so they go through this big lawsuit and they actually win they were awarded 15.6 million dollars in damages during the lawsuit they also filed for custody for cassidy and because it was a custody suit they would have been expected, all of them, to show up in court and testify and plead their case. And Jason did not want to do that. So he just agreed and gave custody of the baby to Michelle's sister, Meredith. So he's still staying super mute. Does his not want to go into court. Guilt so to they get awarded <laughs> his silence, screams guilt to everyone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um he they won this lawsuit in early 2009 so finally finally the sweet family in december of 2009 they arrest jason for michelle's murder based on the fact that he was determined to be the cause of her wrongful death so he's arrested for first degree murder he goes to trial in two thousand eleven, shockingly, during this trial, yeah. he testified breaking the silence in the trial, so he all of a sudden, yeah, he all he's, he's just surprising everybody all over the place, isn't he? Um, during this trial, information comes out that they can go back through financial records and determine that Jason has in fact purchased a pair of size 12 hush puppy dress shoes. So they were able to confirm that the shoes matched, the prints matched, he was there. They don't know what the other shoe was about. Um, They can't specifically say that there was another suspect. Um, They think that it was just his way of trying to cover up. Um, It's determined that there is a bottle of adult Tylenol PM that is found in Cassidy's bedroom. And her DNA oh, is gosh. on the dropper.
1: So he drugged his kid?
0: So the prosecutors claim he drugged his kid to the point where she would just sleep through the entire thing, or theoretically sleep until someone gets here, gets there to get her. Um, he does just what they were thinking. He leaves. He tampers with the security camera. He goes back to Raleigh, to their home. He kills his wife. They never found a murder weapon. He goes back to the hotel, calls Meredith frantically more than one time. Oh, well, because Cassidy was probably to to just
1: about to wake up or had woken up.
0: That's right. That's right. And he's got this his baby daughter right. in the house with his dead wife. So um, they, they also uncover all of these just illicit, dirty affairs that they determined that Jason is having. He apparently had been sleeping with one of Michelle's best friends, one of her sorority sisters from college who had moved to Florida. A month before the murder, he had actually gone down there to visit with her. And, you know, they were intimate and she testified to this. There was something like 980 uh, text messages from him to her very clear that they were having
1: well not shocking when he was not spending as another much time lady at home also, all that like i mean it went through my head when you were talking about right. all that that he
0: must be having affairs right right where is he then they are not having sex that was complained to a lot of times um it comes out too. another lady testifies she's actually one of the students that used to go to his summer camp and he taught her kayaking and, you know, whatever else. She actually comes over about a week before the murder happens and has sex with him in their living room. Yeah. yeah. So, man has no shame. No shame. I don't know if this was during the day or, like, when no one was home, whatever. But he is... He's a bad guy in a lot of ways. So... um all of this comes out in trial, huge amount of information, fingers are pointed, but again, no physical evidence. They cannot prove that he was ever there, that he was ever, I mean, there's just no fingerprints. There's no, other than that one shoe print, that's it. That's all they have. And the cameras, well, camera him words, being again, in North Carolina at
1: five in the morning you know, or whatever at that gas hearsay.
0: station. Right well, again, circumstantial, like he can say that wasn't me. He, you know, he paid in cash. There's no credit card receipts. Mm, A lot of people have cameras on SUVs, Mm. you know, I mean, it's just all circum. That's right. So, um, it actually ends up being a jury. So of course they immediately say we are definitely retrying him. You know, we feel that we have plenty of evidence, whether circumstantial or not, that puts him there, that gives him you know, it crashes his alibi. So he goes for another trial in 2012, is found guilty, Woohoo, finally. murder, yay, and sentenced to life in prison. Yeah. So finally, justice, he does file for um, appeals one in 2014, based on the fact that, um, you know, the jury was biased. He's denied appeal again in twenty seventeen based on the fact that his counsel was ineffective. Again, his appeal is denied. So <laughs> So is he in a Wake County here. jail? <laughs> He's in a Wake County jail for life. Without and the Thankfully,
1: the um daughter Cassidy has been with Aunt Meredith. Oh, Aunt yeah. Meredith, crazy anatomy. Um for <laughs> <laughs> already for several years <laughs> yeah exactly for Another um several years there. because he had, she had already been warned. so
0: yes and sh- she is actually um i did find her and she goes to uh liberty university which is a i was Christian say, I, college I know, in lynchburg virginia she plays volleyball for them. Yeah, my sister went there. She plays volleyball for them and is this be- – uh, she's beautiful. I mean, she is just like her mom. She's super, super pretty. Like, so hopefully yeah, she has I'm glad a that a didn't.
1: Life. I mean, and, not that we know of, physically you know. witnessed this murder. I mean, I'm sure it's traumatic enough to be, like, walking around in your mom's blood and tracking it through the house. But maybe she's too young to remember that that even
0: happened and – all that. Yeah. Yeah. So when I decided I wanted to cover this case, it was because I had kind of heard about this case way back in 2006 and seven. And well, no, actually, 2000, yeah, six and seven, whenever it first came out, and I was new to the area. It was really, it was kind of big news here. And um, I had no idea that it was such a huge hugely publicized case so i when i was delving into it, it there was just so much information that i mean there's a ton more that you can hear about as far as like the things that he did that were shady and um theories that are going around on specifics of like where he got his murder weapon and what he did with his murder weapon and you know wearing these clothes and those clothes i mean it's just so much information oh, wow. they actually were on the cover of people magazine at one point, um, Nancy Grace covered the story. Um, there was a dateline episode, which is actually really good. I watched the dateline oh, episode it's man. Silent Witness. Yeah. Isn't that so eerie? Like talking about the um Cassidy and how she was there and theoretically saw or heard things and just, you know, too young to tell. There's books that have been written about it. There's a book, um, which I read a little bit about by Steve Epstein. It's called "Murder on Birch Leaf Drive," which is, was where they lived. And then there's another book by Lynn Blancher that is called "Absence of Evidence." And it's actually all about, oh, why Jason is innocent. And this yeah, and this so it's a complete opposite take of this case than, in my opinion, reality. Um, but she actually points the finger very strongly That's at, at Michelle's sister, and so she mm-hmm. and so she actually does go into a lot about family issues and jealousy issues, being the younger sister, and she follows her here and, um, you know, just wants her life. It's very interesting. And hmm, we have to read that one. Take on listening. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So um ton of stuff in the local newspapers. That's where I got most of my stuff. News and Observer, W R A L. All the local stories. The nine one one call. Um, you can look it up on in the, you know, to play it on YouTube. It's really interesting. And a lot of the absence of evidence book is based on that nine one one call because mm-hmm. people think that Meredith acted very strangely and very calm. And um they're saying that she actually called, like, after she got off the phone with the 911 dispatcher and they got there, she called, um, like, her mother and, you know, she just made, and, like, her mom was at the hairdresser or something. And she's yeah. like, I can't talk right now. I have to call you back. And Meredith's like, <laughs> no, uh, me. no, mom, you need to talk to me now. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of just being like, nope. Yeah, turn off the hairdresser, mama.
1: You have to go Santa listen murder. to that 911 call now.
0: So um yeah, it's interesting. It's not long, but yeah, that that's really based a lot of the evidence from from the um, Jason is Innocent book is absence of evidence is the name of it is um, based on that. So. Well, good. But he's in jail. No one off the streets. Yeah. That's right. So, in theory, we can say hide in your closet, but
1: well, yeah, exactly. Out in your closet, only uh, get to really some quiet time from your kids—not actual safety. <laughs> oh, okay,
0: sorry. Just kidding. That's true. Don't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> so well, that's it I mean, that was for this week.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to go. And the dateline watch it.
0: episode is good. You should go listen to. I mean, I've got time on, on my not hands. Real long. What else
1: am I going to do? I'm going to have to go listen to 911 calls in and Dateline and, and read a book. <laughs> no. And wash my hair.
0: <laughs> and wash your hair.
1: <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> well, y'all. All right. I guess that's the end of the first one. We'll be back again with another episode soon. Got one. Yes. Got one in my pocket. Almost right, done. It will be
0: Christy's turn.
1: But Until then. If you enjoyed this episode, give us a five-star rating and a review. The world is scary. People suck. Hide in your closets.